Mmm, that's good. To a new Brewed Up episode of Digital Coffee. Yes, it's coming right to you new. Anyways, I'm your host, Brett Dicer. So let's get on with what's going on in the tech news. And there's a whole bunch of weird stuff going on for some odd reason. I don't understand why. But let's get on with it. So it looks like uh, Android Wear 2.0 is landing with some new LG models. That's right, they're gonna be having some new LG models and looks like this could be, well, the pixel of the smartwatches because that's what uh, that's what Google really cares about is getting this out, making sure people are using it because, well, all the other companies haven't been doing so well with it. Just look at Pebble, my dear sweet Pebble. You're gone, but anyways, uh, so it looks like they're going to have a, a few new models for it as well. An interesting part is that one of them will have cellular connections, so that means that you don't actually have to have your phone while using it. I know, it's awesome, isn't it? Well, it could be awesome. We don't really know for sure, but it looks like uh, 2.0 is having some major updates from the original version of it. One is that Google Fit is now being baked into it, so that's another big, big thing going on as well. Um, we also have some different ways of using it with um, a lot of different Android apps being baked into it as well. So you have things like Android Pay, AccuWeather, RunKeeper, Telegra Telegram, and Uber also being able to actually be used with this too. So you have all that. So I'm happy that this is actually happening. Uh, I do like Android Wear 2.0. I think it's really great. Uh, I think it's really great because it's also allowing users who have iPhones to use it and Android users as well. It's just not tied to one operating system like Apple is. Apple's always tied to their own because they will just not want to do that. Also, it's going to also have Google Assistant as well. Um, so you're really going to get a lot more useful information through this, which is always a good thing to actually get because sometimes sometimes you really don't. I mean, a lot of the, the original Android Wear was a great start, but it was more of a gimmick than anything else. But a lot of these smartwatches have gotten better over time with the different versions coming out. So we should see a lot better usefulness with this as well. Um, but uh, like I said, it's gonna be interesting. Um, now LG has the has watch styles. Some of them now the sport watch is not going to be able to uh, change out the watch band because of the antennas being built into it. So that's one thing um, to look out for this as well. Um, also, uh, 2.0 is going to be um, accessible to uh, Aces Zen Watch 2 and 3, Casio Smart Wa Smart Outdoor Watch, Casio Pro Trek Smart. Uh, Fossil Q Founder, Fossil Q Marshall, Fossil Q Wander, Huawei Watch, uh, LG Watch R, LG Urban, and Second Edition LTE, uh, Mike Cross as well, uh, Moto 360 Second Generation, Moto 360 for Women, Moto 360 for Sport, New Balance Run IQ, Nixon Mission, Polar M600, and Tag Heuer Connected. So those are all going to be compatible with 2.0 as well. So if you have one of those, well, at least you don't have to buy a new smartwatch. You can still use the old one as well. Um, but uh, that's that's really how it's going to be. Now, it's going to be available um, to 
retailers like Best Buy and the Google Store as well. And it's also going to be, uh, you can also buy it through uh, AT&T Verizon the Sport Edition and the Google Store as well. Now the LG Sport, uh, Watch Sport um, has NFC payments, GPS for navigation, cellular connectivity, and a heart rate monitor. So you have that. Now, like I said before, the, the Watch Smart, the, the Watch Sport, excuse me, um, cannot have their bands changed out because of the antennas built into it. So be aware of that. If you make sure you buy the band that you really, really want, because that's the band you're gonna have to live with. Um, now, outside of the United States, well, you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer for that, but it should be interesting since it's supposed to be available on the 10th of this month, so that's in, well, a day-ish, day or two, depending on where you're at. Um, but that's gonna be uh, how, how it's going to play out. Now, I'm excited that, they are, that there are more watches going to be compatible with 2.0 because that means more people are gonna be using it and they actually might like it more and then say, hey, to their friends, hey, you might like Android Wear 2.0. You never really know, but that's kind of the lowdown of all that's going on. Now here's an interesting thing. Uh, how much do you think humans dominate traffic on uh, the internet? Well, if you said all, you're wrong. Uh, it's actually half, a little under half. So over half of the world's internet traffic is coming from bots. That's right, with a new report coming out saying that um, some of these bots are good and some of these bots are bad. Now the good the good part is, is that the good bots, the ones that don't try to do dedicated denial of service or anything like that, are relatively have monitored the same with no um, increase from year to year. Now uh, the bats, the bad bots, the good bots have increased traffic because of um, popularity with Facebook Messenger and all these other bots that are being built into it, like Slack and all these other things. So you're gonna see a bigger rise because that's what's going to happen with it um, because of Slack, um, Facebook Messenger, pretty sure Microsoft's getting involved with that too, Skype as well. So you're gonna see a huge rise kick. Like I said, there's a bunch of them doing bots. And so that's where it's gonna be at. The great thing is, is that um, a great or bad thing, you never really know, <laughs> is that we don't dominate anymore. Nope, unfortunately not, not anymore. We are less than half the traffic because we're not as fast as the bots or just that people can create more bots than they can create people. I don't really know, but it's an interesting little thing to look at as well. Now, Microsoft just leaked uh, some major uh, design refreshes for uh, Windows 10. So it's gonna be called Redstone and this is kinda uh, gonna be a little bit more of a bigger refresh in uh, making sure it just looks nice and more atheistic nice touches to it. Now I have no problem with Windows 10 as it is now. I think it looks good. Um, I have a few qualms with it. One of it is that the control panel and the settings panel are two different things and they don't really... In one unified control panel please. It would be really nice that I don't have to go switch from one to another. But that's, that's kind of Windows Legacy and Windows 10. It's kind of not really bridging yet. Um, now, they are kind of revisiting kind of an arrow-like Vista um, style. And the arrow was kind of like a 3D view of uh, your tabs being open, which could be cool. To be honest with you, it was kind of a gimmick even with uh, Vista because you usually turned it off when you're playing games because it would take so many resources away from you. 
So they're looking at that as well. It's just supposed to be a little bit nice, clean cut design. Um, it looks like the taskbar is going to be a little bit smaller as well, if you like that stuff. And Cortana is going to be just a symbol instead of the search bar instead. So they may be moving things around, which you may or may not like because we PC people hate new things. Um, there are also going to be Cortana skill kits as well. So it looks like you're going to be doing more things, kind of probably probably going to be closer to Alexa um, integration as well, something similar to that. So it should be interesting to see what's actually going to happen, uh, but this is going to be a, a refresh of the design. Is it going to be major? I don't think it's going to be as major as some other places say. I think it's going to have some some different uh, tweaks to it, but I don't think it's going to be as major as like a new version of Windows because Microsoft's not really doing that too much anymore. They're going the kind of the model of Mac instead. But it's good to, you know, look at that. All right, um, now here's my problem. I, I'm i not fully against Trump, but I'm not fully for him. I'm kind of in the middle about everything. I will, I, I'll, I'll call him on his, his um, a lot of his crap. Um, but I don't think he's the end all to be all or the end times president or whatever else. The media tries to concoct to say that he's just this terrible person. Uh, hyperbole works really well with them. Uh, but this I'm kind of a little weary. So it looks like the US government is, they're testing out their protocols to uh, shore up who comes into the country just to make sure that they aren't well. <laughs> they aren't going to do a terrorist attack against us. Which I'm all fine with, but the but to basically say the only way you can come into the country is to give us your social media accounts. I'm usually against that because how do I know that whoever I'm giving this to is not going to either incriminate me or um, do something nefarious to my accounts? Now let's say that these countries are going to be the seven countries: Iran, Iraq, Syria, Sudan, Somalia, Libya, and Yemen. So these places do have, well, not very reliable governments, and there could be a lot of, well, not very good things coming out of there. However, demanding that they have to give away their social media accounts to track them basically tells me the U.S. government doesn't know how to track it by without that. You can track what people say, usually without it, especially if people don't protect their own tweets or anything like that. Just say, hey... You have to give us your, not your passwords, but at least give us your uh, account names so we can look at your stuff. Um, I'd be a little bit more okay with that. I'm not fully on board with this. I think this is a really dumb move. I think this is kind of, it's on the side a little bit more of Orwellian, and I say that lightly, uh, not lightly, because of how, how of what they're doing. Granted, people are up in arms about when businesses asked you to do this, and it was—it's—it's it's now a no-no. This should also be a no-no as well, because I am not in full agreement with this. I think this is a dumb idea, and I think we need to scrap this because I don't. If the problem is, is the, the people that know you're doing this know that you're going to be tracking them. They're not going to post anything anyway, so you're not really going to get anything. You're just going to get people going. Well, I'm not going to post anything on here. I'm just going to use something else instead. And then you're just kind of, you, you've still lost the battle. You haven't really gained anything beyond, yeah, we can potentially track you, but we're not really going to find anything, so who cares? Uh, so my thing is, this was this is a dumb idea. 
They should scrap this. This is not going to, this is not going to work. It's not going to help anything because they now know that you're tracking them and so they're not going to post anything like that and it's just going to be a smokescreen anyways. So what you've done is that you've kind of gotten in the way of surveillance and kind of just told them, yes, we're tracking you. And they're like, okay, well, I'll make sure not to post anything or just create a new account. It's not that hard. All right, since the media picked this up, I guess I had to talk about this. So Senator Elizabeth Warren apparently was up in arms because, well, she was quote-unquote silenced by the Republicans. Now, what this means by silence is that I don't know what went on on the Senate floor because I, who really knows? Nine times out of ten. The problem is, is that the Democrats have been making this really slow progress on allowing Trump to get his cabinet in. He doesn't have his full cabinet in. So this is just another roadblock to make it more difficult for him. So I'm not really in favor of Elizabeth Warren because she's done some nefarious things. It's been claims about how she kind of um, lied about having uh, Native American uh, relatives or at least heritage uh, to get into to get a grant and get to, into teaching as well so there have been calls that she's not really that great either so when this happens this is like I said this is a lot of grandstanding like oh so I'm gonna read all this and to be honest with you is this really gonna change anything I mean if Senator Majority Leader Mitch, uh, Mitch McConnell decided to do this to silence your arguments there could be a reason for this as well uh, I don't know wasn't involved with this process so I'll only say beyond this I don't know what's happening I don't know why Tech News is picking this up why because she posted her Facebook live and most people on Facebook are a little bit more left than center and so they'll usually believe her anyways even though they probably should because of the things that she has done before and especially since she supported Hillary Clinton even though the allegations of her you know doing fraud is a pretty big allegation. Would you really trust somebody like this? I wouldn't trust somebody like this, but apparently everybody's like, oh, look, she's so brave for posting on social media and having everybody agree with her because most people aren't really read up on anything, anywhere. This is why I probably did mostly this show is because I'm sick and tired of most of the media, including tech, to actually be a little bit more left than they should be and not just keeping it Keeping calm and not jumping to conclusions. Now, I have to talk about this because this is so stupid, beyond whatever. Um, I don't know what happened in those session hearings. I don't know if she did something behind their backs or said something that she probably shouldn't have. But if there was call to actually quote-unquote silence her, it didn't do a good job anyway. So what's the big hubbub about it? She said her piece outside the Senate floor because, well, she wanted to do it and she grandstands like no other. Of course, everybody's like, yeah, it's president for 2020. I'm like, no, definitely not. There's some problems with her and well, let's move on. To be honest with you, it's, 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 it's dumb. It's really dumb. Now, here's another dumb thing. Why Netflix? Why would you post a show that says Dear White People, knowing that it looks more discriminatory than anything else. The problem I have with this is not that it could be or could not be funny, it's just that if the shoe was on the other foot, you know people would be up in arms about this. No, you can't. The, prob the, the, the biggest problem is that this is 
pretty much discrimination because it's socially acceptable to discriminate against white people, even though there's no real reason to, and the evidence doesn't back, back the claim about systematic oppression and all this other stuff, all these other buzz, buzzwords that come out, racist, xenophobe, white nationalist, because apparently they're everywhere, even though the left is actually making more of them by doing what they do, which they don't really get. I don't think you get, there's a there's a, always a cause to the effect of it. If there's an effect of more white nationalists, but they haven't been around for quite a while, the cause may be you rioting, you destroying property, and white people being fed up about this. I'm a white person too, and I see it, and it's kind of dumb. So, Netflix, I mean, you're... <laughs> when you posted this on YouTube, there was a huge proportion of downvotes for this thing. People are not happy about this. And for their cause, there's calls to unsubscribe, you have lost the, you've lost it. Um, now, now, there are other options than you. There's Hulu, there's Plex, there's Amazon. They're more than happy to take your uh, subscribers away from you. And they don't, and then you're going to be hurting. Why would you piss off a portion of your user base for political gain. This is a big political game because you didn't have to do this. You could have picked up Grill Meets World for all I care. Um, but you decided to do this one. And people are upset because it looks like you're unfairly discriminating against white people and you're making it look like a white people all dress up in blackface when most people, white people don't even do that. We don't care. We don't want to do it because we don't want to get the ramifications of just socially ostracized. So why do you pick this show to do it. Do you not understand that this is not going to go well for you? Ever. Huh. Just learn from this. Why do I always have to keep on talking that your customers aren't monoliths and not everyone's going to agree with this? And it looks like not a lot of customers are agreeing with this. So now you're going to have a problem on your hands because you're probably going to be losing a lot of subscribers and then your stock is going to fall because it's going to be like, oh, we missed our projections because we decided to do this show and people were saying, I'm sick and tired of this. Stop it. And you're not saying it. You could say it's a comedy all you want, but all I hear from the left is how racist white people are and this is not going to be a comedy anymore because people are going to see this as a white person I'm telling you they're going to see this as well I guess you're trying to be racist towards me and you'd be like it's just a joke but but on my hand is when I see other jokes coming from white people and it's like oh that's so racist sexist well you can't have it both ways either everything's going to be racist or sexist or nothing's going to be racist or not nothing but very few things are so you got you have to pick your battles and this is the one that you shouldn't have picked you probably should have not picked it up, but now you're going to pay for it. And I hate to say it, it's not going to be pretty either. Anyways, moving on to Pinterest. And Pinterest has some interesting new um, tools coming out. So one is, uh, it's basically a picture that will uh, kind of look at your, look at what you took a picture of and, and put like strawberries, fresh, uh, fresh strawberries, fresh, grow strawberries, berries, and food, and then will give you pins associated with it as well. I think this is really cool. I think this is going to help Pinterest catapult even higher because of this. This is just a really great way for Pinterest to kind of say, hey, we are the leaders in um, picture image search. 
in that way as well. Um, especially if it's going to give specific words to pictures and it can pick out those as well. This is just going to help them even more and people are going to be like, oh man, I should really take a picture of this, find what pins are associated with it, and maybe find a cool recipe to do it as well. I think it's a really great move. I'm really excited to see how this is going to play out. Um, and also you can take pictures of your shoes and it will give you exactly what you're looking for as well. And it looks like it's pretty, uh, pretty good at detecting what it's all about. The other thing is, is for when you're actually in uh, Pinterest and you find something you like, it'll give you associated or other uh, articles of clothing or whatnot to actually buy as well. So you can shop at that and says, oh look, you, the, you there's this, this, and this, do it as well. This will only help businesses look at Pinterest a little bit more than it already has and be like, mm, maybe we should put more advertising dollars in this because maybe we'll get more profit from this because they're gonna be showing recommendations through your pictures as well which will help people stay on Pinterest more than it already has maybe grow their user base a little bit more because they've been a little bit there's been a little slow slow down on this um, I know a lot of marketers are looking into doing this but or looking into doing better on Pinterest but it's still an afterthought Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are probably the three things that, that a lot of marketers nailed down so this could be something interesting as well but for users there's also an interesting thing for you because you can find more things and not have to always source through it so that's another great thing as well so all in all win I like this I like it a lot now Facebook on the other hand has Facebook Lite which is kind of a light version for Facebook for third world countries and countries that don't have very good um, wireless connection as well well it's finally hit 20 million users in a little in developing countries or third world countries whatever term you like um, and it's interesting because uh, this could actually this helps catapult Facebook to even be even bigger dominance now some news that are like are comparing it between snapchat and Facebook saying that they prefer this one over snapchat's rich uh, media rich heavy uh, interface or even app but my thing is come on guys you can't really do that because first of all snapchat's way younger than Facebook is. Facebook has the advantage of being a lot older and already basically dominating the more um, stable connection countries or the first world countries or the developed countries or blah 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 whatever. Um, and that's the other problem with kind of that argument as well because Snapchat is still very new. It's not really as robust or built as Facebook is and it's not a really good comparison. I know you want to compare it because they're kind of they're really competing against each other, or Facebook is just outright copying everything, which is probably the bigger one. But uh, it's it's interesting to see what's going on with that. Um, I just I just really don't know. It's uh, if if Snapchat could actually make a comparable um, option, Snapchat Lite, because. It's very picture and media heavy, and it uses a lot of different tech that's more heavy on the data instead. So I don't think they actually could. It's just Facebook in general wasn't built in mind for pictures, or especially video first. Um, more pictures, but it was more in albums, so it was built in more of a desktop era than a smartphone era. Snapchat was built in a smartphone era, so there are, the economies are way different, way different. That's why I don't like comparisons like that because it's not really comparable. You could say it, but it just doesn't really compare very well. All right, so that's cool for Facebook on the light, but mm, 
So Facebook has the safety check where it allows you to tell people that you're safe in a, in a, in a disaster, being a terrorist disaster or just natural disaster in general. Um, and then the missing link here was that the community help hub allows you to say, hey, you come here and, you know, come to my house and stay here. I got food or whatnot. Now, on more of a macro side of it, this sounds like a really great altruistic thing. But my um, skeptical mind goes, eh, there's problems here already. First of all, you don't really know these people. You don't know if they will actually not be um, evil, I guess you could say, or hurtful to you or your body or whatever. Um, and you could be like, but it says it has the real person's face on it. Facebook, I mean, that just puts more pressure on them to be nice. Well, yeah, but, I mean, we see things like in Sweden, the gang rape done on Facebook Live, suicides done on Facebook Live, like stupid, not stupid, but terrible, horrible things done that uh, they do on their own Facebook account. So that, that argument is kind of debunked now, where its point is, okay, so they'll, they'll say, hey, I got food here, steal your stuff and post it on Facebook Live and be like, ha, ah, look what I did. People aren't very smart. And we've noticed this through social media that they will post anything on Facebook Live that sounds mildly entertaining to them, but to everybody else seems extremely stupid because you shouldn't be doing that. My problem here is that you don't know who these people are and they, yeah, they may, I'm not saying that everyone's going to be evil, nefarious, or cause harm to you or your persons or your family, but you're going to have to now, if this happens, you're going to have to meet in a public place because you're not sure about this. Now, they say they give this safety tips, but Facebook, what, what if they use this and they've done all your safety tips and still something bad happens? Will you be liable for it? You could be because you're the one that allowed them to use your platform to say that you have so-and-so, so people should come over here to get it. Like I said, I think this is actually really a great altruistic thing macro wise but micro looking at the kind of nitty-gritty and seeing the other stuff that's been going on, on Facebook ie like like posting about the uh, disabled kid that got well kidnapped and well tortured by four uh, by by four minorities yeah that wasn't very good either was it no it wasn't or the fact that there was a gang raid done on Facebook live and like I said, they don't care. They're going to do it anyway. So I would say if, you're, if this happens, you're going to use it. Be very careful. That's my only thing. Is I want you guys to be careful. I want you guys to be smart techies or smart aspiring techies and not actually be let into a illusion of safety about anybody that posts that they have this will actually always be good. I want you to think smart. And, uh, and actually, you know, care for yourself in these situations. I know this sounds very selfish, but there are times when you have to be selfish to be, to make yourself safe. It's, it happens. So don't always think that when Facebook does this, that it's all going to be great and wonderful and nothing bad's going to happen. Because bad things happen. You just look at Facebook Live, what people post sometimes. You scratch your head. All right, so uh, Flipboard announced Flipboard. 4.0 and this is basically a way of personalizing your news to be smart magazines because well we want to all be in our little bubbles and never look at anybody other's opinions because that's the easy way of doing things and to actually you know deal with opposing views 
Now, they were talking about this, and I looked through it as well, and I'm like, it sounds all great and all, but I just want to see everything and me pick and choose, and then me actually deliberately going to some opposing view and being like, well, I disagree with you, but, I mean, it's not a bad argument either, because that's the best way of, well, A, combating fake news, and B, combating groupthink. But the problem is that these companies are now starting to, you know, sterilize us from opposing views, so we're going to have our own safe spaces on our phones and everywhere else we go because, oh, I don't want to listen to you. Dee, 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 dee. Um, and they even talked about this with, like, the coming election and fake news and saying that, oh, we're trying to, you know, make sure you're getting the stuff that you want to see and that you really care about. I'm like, no, that's not the best way of doing it. This is life. You're going to have to deal with people that are, disagree with you. I don't understand why these companies think, oh, we need to sterilize everything. Oh, no, opposing views are going to hate us. Who cares? They're going to hate you anyways. Look at Netflix. They're going to be hurt from it, but that's a little bit of a different situation. But my head just hurts about this because the reason why fake news has spread is because people were in their echo chambers. Facebook decided to personalize their own news for them, and guess what? There goes your, there is your echo chamber. It's not because that there's actually fake news that happens. It's because people aren't smart to figure out which one's fake and which one's not. Because if the fake news agrees with their own opinion, they're going to more likely share it. Tech companies don't get it, and it drives me insane. In the membrane. That's, that's copyrighted, but yeah, whatever. I didn't actually sing it. Uh -huh. Alright, moving on to... Well, it looks like someone, some uh, interesting person decided to convert his... Amazon Dash button to donate five dollars to ACLU every time Trump just every time Trump speaks, I guess, or does something because he's always doing something. Um, my thing is, okay, so do you not realize that the ACLU actually defended the KKK one time because of free speech? I know a lot of people don't, you know, actually look at their history, but you probably should look at your history. Um, but it's it. it uh, well, the macro part, or even like looking at the bigger picture, this is actually kind of cool because it actually is kind of a inventive way of reusing something for good. My funny part is that people are so upset about Trump that they a walked, so they actually got some exercise, and b they actually gave to charities because of him. So he's actually making Americans be the Americans they should be, and not always asking for the government to do things. But I always find it funny that this stuff happens. Um, now, why are you getting... My other part is, why are you getting so upset about what he tweets? Who cares what he tweets? It, it doesn't directly affect your life. Who gives a crap? He usually tweets crap anyways, and I never get offended. I just go, huh, okay, whatever. And move on with my day, because it has little influence on what I do on my day. Little to none. People get so upset by what people say, and not by their actions, and we're missing the point here. Your actions should be... The most paramount thing that people look at and not your words. Your words can be changed so frequently and you can change your ideas so frequently that it doesn't really matter. But your actions are more about habits and habits take a time to actually form. So your actions really more inform about what you actually think about the world instead of your words because those can change on the dime pretty quickly. But like I said before, on the tech side of this, yes, I think it's actually really cool what he did. He modified it. He basically used it for public good in some way or another. Um, and I think that's actually really cool. It's a very inventive way, and I actually like the way he actually did it. I may not like the reasons behind it, but I don't like everything, the reasons behind it. But I actually think it's really cool that he reconfigured it to do some type of good, hopefully. You never really know about those goods. 
they just, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. All right, so Snapchat has kind of released more information about um, what's going on with the company, and well, oh boy, um, it, it people are questioning if they should actually buy into Snapchat because the problem is that Snapchat has lost a whole bunch of money, and that's never good uh, when you're a new company. I mean, it. it it's, the financials don't look good because it looks like the, from the two years that we have, it looks like they almost lost a billion dollars in two years. Um, the great thing is that the revenue did jump quite a bit because they figured out kind of a revenue stream for it as well. My only problem is is that um, they're locked into kind of the Google server infrastructure, which could actually do a lot of serious harm to them as well. And they can't, they really don't have much of a choice beyond that as well. So that could really hurt their business too. Um, now, we don't really know everything that's going to be going on with Snapchat. They, they did have to pay the other co-founder quite a bit of money over almost close to $200 million uh, for the IP. So there's that as well. Um, now, what they probably should have gone with Amazon Web Service instead. Uh, probably would have been a little bit better for them. but. Uh, my biggest qualms right now is um, the debt that they've incurred uh, or the loss. The, the spending is being more than what they're earning, even though they're still a youngish company. They've been around for a little while, so they really need to figure out how they're going to address that problem. Because if they don't address that problem, there are going to be problems for them, and they could be more of a Twitter than a Facebook on stock and revenue in general. So they need to figure that out. That's the biggest part is that they need to figure out how they're going to do it. They're also going to need to figure out how they're going to reach the non-young people because the young people are set in that. They love it, but the older people don't. They don't understand why they need to use it. They think it was a waste of time, and that's their biggest. That's going to be their biggest weakness right now because nobody questions why you well, nah. More and more years go on, people are questioning why they need to use Facebook because it's it's Facebook. I get bugged every single day that I should check Facebook. I'm like, Facebook, stop telling me I need to check you. I'll check you when I feel like checking you. But you keep on wanting to inform me that I should check you. It, it really bugs me. It's one thing that bugs me a lot. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my problem right now with Snapchat is that Snapchat, it, it's a cool company. No doubt about that. It's a very cool company. A lot of young kids love it, which basically means it does have longevity in the younger demographic. But to actually have mainstream success, you need to have the older generation on board with this as well. And you may, and I've met some people older than me that actually use it. I don't use it as much, um, and they love it. But you need to have more of that. And since Instagram has taken some of that away, you're going to have some, you're going to have some uphill problems with that. Moving on to uh, a little bit about Twitter or more Periscope. Well, the Periscope CEO is now going to be running all live products. Yes, he's got a big promotion. Now he's going to be overseeing everything from product development. Now, the licensing deals is going to be still with the COO, so that's not changing anytime soon. But uh, implementing it and figuring out new features is. Now, some people are going to be like, well, this could be the sign of Periscope dying. Not so much. Uh, Periscope still has a lot of features that Twitter doesn't have specifically for live, like super fans and just different types of things like that. So I still don't think Periscope's going to go away anytime soon. It's not going to go the way of Vine, um, which is unfortunate for Vine. 
Uh, so there is that as well. It's going to be interesting to see if they can ink more deals with the NFL, with, M- with the MLB, and the NBA and see their numbers rise and almost rival Facebook because that's what they need to do. They need to go toe-to-toe with Facebook and make sure that their products are just as good or even better than Facebook to rival them because if they're not rivaling them, it's going to be a big problem uh, because they Twitter has not been doing well the past few years and showed in their stocks and it showed in their earnings calls so this is going to be something that's really going to matter so those NFL numbers really need to be really impactful and really significant those NBA and MLB need to be the same thing as well should be interesting to see what happens with all that alright so AMD there's some little bit more news about the Ryzen processors first of all it's actually going to be um, smaller than a Skylake uh, processor, the 6th generation CPU from Intel, and still pack in the L2 caches, which is actually pretty good. So next-gen um, tech inside a smaller base as well, which does matter because if if you're streamlining that and being the underdog, people are going to be looking going, mm, maybe I should get some AMD processors instead of the Intel processors. Now, the newer ones, the 7th generations, well, we don't really know quite yet, or Cabby Lake, I think it's called, um, but the newer ones, putting in um, everything in with a 14 millimeter, nano, sorry, nanometer process, and being 10% smaller than the 6th generation Skylake CPUs is really um, important there, because they just, you know, shot across the bow on Intel saying, ha! We got more into this than you did and now I'm waiting to see what Intel is going to bring about that way but at least we're seeing that AMD is being very competitive in this space because they need to be competitive here. This is one of their weaknesses right now because they don't have a very big market share in the processors but also they don't have a big market share in the graphics so they're trying to you know, trying to regain ground that they lost and they lost quite a bit in the previous years as well. Um, also it's going to be coming with um, quad-core at least. Um, there is a quad-core model. There have been rumors and leaks saying there isn't, but now there is. Um, but, like I said before, this should be interesting to see how well it's going to be doing. Now, if you are a Windows 7 user, you will not be able to use this. There's going to be no driver supporting this. So, this is just another public service announcement saying you probably should upgrade to either 8 or 10. I would actually recommend 10 because it will be a little bit similar to 7. Uh, if you want anything new from now on, you're going to have to upgrade to the newer uh, operating systems. If you don't, that's completely fine. You can stay on Windows 7, but remember, you have three years left until they stop supporting it as well, so you have that to consider too. Do I mind Windows 10? No, I think it's actually pretty good for what for what problems they learn from from Windows 8, but people still like what they like, and I have no problems with Windows 7 whatsoever. It was a great operating system. It kind of helped uh, clear the stench from Vista. Um, so there's that as well. Now in kind of more of Macintosh or Mac news, uh, Microsoft is um, going to be previewing the Pro Touch Bar in their Office products for Macs. Um, now this is just a beta right now so you, you, wanna, you want to sign up for it if you want to try it out. If not, you can just wait for it as well. It's going to be specific to each program like adding in um, equations for Excel or anything like that as well or checking uh, new mail for Outlook or anything like that's being specific to 
uh, which program you're using for Office. So it should be interesting to see how useful these touch bars are going to be, if anything, or if they're just going to be a gimmick. We don't really know because um, they're still a little too new. Now, if you're a Pixel owner like me, um, I actually didn't get the audio issues that people have said, but there is a new security update that is supposedly addresses it. Now, they're bringing down the max volume because of the problem with it. Now, some users have said it didn't really fix it. Um, so, once it actually hits the wild, it's not in a beta format, will it be able to see if it actually is going to be worth it or not? Um, if you are, if you like doing the next best thing, I would say if this is the phone that you use regularly, do not do it because if it, there is something wrong, you're going to have to roll back and it's just more pain in the butt than you think it's going to be. But it's a good thing that they're at least looking into this and trying to fix the problem because they said it's a software issue, not a hardware issue, which is also a good thing that it's a software issue only because those can be fixed. Hardware, not so much. Now they said that the best way of fixing this is just don't put it up all the way to the highest volume. Obviously that's the no-brainer way of doing it, but just to let you know, if, if you're having those issues, do not put it up all the way because then you're just going to have those issues that you don't want. You don't want you don't want it all. All right, so talking about more of Twitter main and their new updates. So I have, I have a love hate relationship with Twitter. I love Twitter. I love that you can actually you know get all information really quickly. You can also get it unfiltered. Well, they're going to be start doing more filtering to you know um, take away potentially abusive content. Now that take that with a grain of salt because. They've done some. They've done some not so good things with people or users on Twitter. They blocked. They blocked Milo for supposedly racist comments, which were you actually look at his tweets, not very racist in general. Just kind of picking at, uh, picking at an actress that probably should have not said too much and probably should have just let it go. Um, they've also um, gotten rid of uh, alt-right, supposedly alt-right uh, people as well. So you have those problems here. Um, my problem with this is that they're going to be just basically getting rid of it so people don't have to source through it. Look, look at here, people. If people are just being mean or mean to you, just don't go on Twitter until it's done. Wait a couple hours. Like, seriously, you don't have to respond to every single thing. My thing is don't respond to every single thing because people are looking to get a rise out of you. If you don't play their game, they'll move on to a new target. And if nobody plays their game, they won't do it anymore. That's the beauty of, you know, outwitting your harasser. Um, now, I do understand that there are some uh, things that people say that should be banned. Um, especially if it's a call to violence. I'm always against that. If call to violence or even rape in general, yeah, you should be banned. You shouldn't be saying that. You're stupid if you say that, to be honest with you. Um, like I said, if, if, if you just don't feed them, they'll go away. The problem is that when you do feed them, they keep on coming back because they know they'll get a rise out of you. That's why Milo is so popular. He gets a rise out of people because he knows it will, it will affect them. Um, does he believe in everything he does? I don't know. I don't really know him very well. Um, but my problem is, is that you have the block feature, you have the mute feature. If it's so bad, and I don't say just willy-nilly block people, because a lot of people like to do that. They just like to block people to block people. It's like, why are you blocking all these people? And it's, there's no real reason for it. They just don't want to hear opposing views. 
it's always good to hear opposing views. You're going to have to hear opposing views because nobody in life is going to agree with you 100%. So you're going to have to deal with those. I don't agree with this whole uh, let's let's scrub it and make sure that it's it's this happy place because that's not that's not what Twitter was when it began. When it began, it was a place for people to to write their opinion or to write what their ideas or to write what they believe without the fear of oh is this bad and nefarious is this going to be banned? Nowadays, it's more of oh we're just going to ban the the things we don't like anymore. I'm not in favor of that. I never ever in favor of that because it doesn't work. I don't like this Twitter's march to more censorship. It's what it's doing because it knows it needs to do something because people are all upset about it for some reason. That's my problem with this. It's it's not that it's not that I don't care that they are gonna make it harder for people that have been banned to actually, you know, make create a new account great. That's a great feature. But some of this stuff, especially when I see read a lot of things is like Oh, because it's the trolls, and they say something mean about my idea, and they try to argue with me. Yeah, get over it. People argue with you. People argue with me. I'm fine with it because it's the part of having the debate. Sometimes. Just, just get out of your little world and just understand that people aren't going to agree with you. Anyways, moving on. It looks like um, the consortium or the 3GPP cellular standards group has... Uh, it's going to be eventually rolling out 5G, or at least is figuring out the standards for 5G. So we're eventually going to be getting that in probably 2018, so it's about a year off, year-ish off. Uh, so be aware of that. Um, now you're saying, well, isn't already out? No, it's been like newer versions of the 4G LTE branding instead, and so this is going to be more of LTE Advanced Pro standards. Uh, instead, and so the first phase one specification is going to be out sometime in 2018. So we should get even more data speeds or even faster downloads. Woo! Faster downloads are always good with me. All right, Google has released um, some February platform dis distribution numbers. Uh, and it's kind of interesting if you look at it from February 2017. So Android version 2.3 is about 1%, which is basically all done, all about dead. 4.0, because there really wasn't 3.0 or really wasn't that big as one for tablets, uh, is at 1% as well, so it's had a 0.1 uh, impact, negative 0.1. Uh, 4.0, about 4%, 4.2 at a, f a little, almost 6%, 4.3, around a 2% rating. Now 4.4, 4, uh, 5.1, and 6 the version 6 are all the ones that are taking the most market share. 4.4 is at about a 22%, 5.1 is about 24%, and um, six, uh, six, version 6 is about 30%. Uh, 7, the newest one, Nougat, is about 1%. So it's getting up there. But like I said, Nougat is kind of new. When it first launched, I think Pixel was really the only phone that actually had it. Um, so there's more and more phones that are eventually going to be having 7 uh, version 7 on that as well. So should be interesting to see when it eventually all hits everybody. And also, uh, not Facebook, but YouTube is uh, slowly rolling out YouTube Live or the mobile version of it to more and more users. So before it was very select users that had really big reach 
on the platform. Now it's going to be 10,000 subscribers or more going to have a live feature on your mobile as well. So uh, be on the lookout for that, especially if you have more than 10,000 followers. If you don't or you're a little shy, then you know make some more videos to get those subscribers so you can. Uh, this will eventually be rolled out to everybody. It just Google takes its sweet time with a lot of this stuff, which is fine. I understand that people they, they do this type of uh, new feature does take a while. It also is going to have the super chat, so people can actually you know pay money to actually have their chat highlighted as well. Um, so you have that too. So it should be interesting to see how well people are going to be using this, if using it at all, or if they're not actually going to be using it in whatsoever. And it could be a dead thing. But I mean, YouTube already had kind of a live feature as in Hangouts anyways. So I'm pretty sure this is going to be pretty good for a lot of uh, content creators to actually use. Uh, so be on the lookout for that as well. And also for more for uh, Mac news or Apple news I should say. So there are rumors that the I, the new uh, iPhone 8 or 2017 iPhone that's going to be made there could be a thousand dollars. The reason is because it looks like it will have an OLED display instead of an LED display which is more expensive. Um, it's going to have more of a it said monolith. <laughs> All these buzzwords that Apple uses is really funny to me sometimes. But it's going to have kind of like um, a very slick design, all glass metal frame design as well. Because um, I really wanted to make it more of a kind of end to end display, but also just have one button, which is the touch ID or fingerprint as well. Um, now, with all this and probably more evolving type of features with this, we could see it upwards to $1,000. Now, the, the, the current iPhone is around $1,000 for the 256 gig version of it so that's another thing also it looks like it could be uh, 5 to 5.8 inches for the screen size so there's that as well it also looks like there's going to be um, lower versions of the model or less expensive versions it's going to be more of like the iPhone 7 kind of like the iPhone 5 SE which is the more cheaper version of the iPhone 6 could be something like that as well so if you're not really keen on getting the most expensive iPhone those could be it for you. Now they're going to have LCD displays because those are the cheaper way of doing it, but it's still going to have an all glass display. Now it looks interesting. Am I a fan of iPhones? Not really. I like my Android. I'm sorry iPhone users. I have an iPad and I still prefer my Android. It's it's a personal preference. I have nothing against iPhones. Well, I do have some. Just that's extremely locked down in a wall garden. But that's my, that's my thing about it. Also, um, it looks like uh, there's gonna be there's rumors for the new MacBooks that are gonna be coming out. So someone dug around and found like, hmm, there's some interesting little things coming out here that's not for the current MacBook. So it looks like the current MacBooks are gonna be three different versions of it. So the first version is gonna be a new 13-inch MacBook Pro with no touch bar models. This is gonna be just functional keys. That's it with a Cabby Lake processors, uh, maximum turbo boost, battery of 3400 to 40. 4000 uh, MHZ respectively. Uh, also there's going to be uh, three new 13 inch MacBook Pros with touch bar models as well. It's going to have three, 35, 3700, 4000 battery. So pretty significant battery and there's going to be three new 15 inch MacBook Pros with touch bar models as well. That's going to be a 38, 3900 to 4100 
uh, battery blocks respectively as well. So it should be interesting to see how these are going to come out and these rumors are actually going to be true. But it looks like these are pretty good, credible things that is going to happen as well for that. Now the Cabulet processor of the 7th generation is one of the best ones for it so far, especially if you have an older model of the MacBook that's not, that's like three or four years older, this could be a significant boost for you. I still recommend either getting a Windows or a Chromebook, especially if you're not doing a, a lot of graphical work. Uh, you're spending a lot of money for things you can get under a thousand dollars. So it's my thing about it. Um, so if you are in the market for it and you're not, if you're just doing more word processing, and just surfing the internet, surfing the internet, than actual like Photoshop, uh, Final Cut, or Premiere. I would go for like MacBook, I mean Google uh, Chromebooks as well, or looking at uh, Microsoft's version of the Chromebooks as well. That's my thing. You can still buy it if you want to. I have no problems with you doing that. Spend the money away. All right, moving on to apps, programs you should try out this week. So there's a new keyboard called the Hero keyboard that kind of is a little bit more of a circular keyboard um, that looks like to be more functional and easier way of typing, I guess. To me, it looks very weird, but hey, if you're looking for something new, uh, especially if you have an iPhone, this could be it for you, so check it out. And now, oh, Facebook. Facebook's made a new app called Flash and it's basically a carbon copy of Snapchat. I kid you not, it's for Android. I haven't seen the iOS version of it yet. It's an exact copy. Like, there really is no difference between this one and Snapchat. So me and, like, Facebook, you have seriously... You've you, you run out of ideas. If you have to direct copy Snapchat, you've run out of ideas. And I'm not... I. I I refuse to download this app. I do, I, I do not like it. Apparently it's incompatible with my new Pixel phone anyways, which is weird. Uh, but yeah, I, again, why? Why? Dude, make your own. You, you can have influences from Snapchat, but make it your own. This doesn't look like it's making it your own. Even the menu system looks very similar to Snapchat. Seriously. Stop it. All right. So Trello has re-released or released a pause for Trello 2.0, and this is a way for you to use it like an app on your Windows or your uh, or the Apple Store, or the Mac OS as well. Now it's three dollars for it, so it's not it's not cheap. It's not free, but it's not super expensive as well. Um, but this is a way for you not to be on the internet doing it. You can have multiple windows. You can you can do quick ads. It also has native notifications as well. You can also use it for that as well. So check it out if you want to. Quib also is updated to 5.0, and this allows you to do smarter content management with Teams. Uh, and so you can have different Teams edited as well. Quib is also a pretty good um, office competitor, too. And you can add products and make sure you have um, time frames for it as well, say due dates for this as well. So it also has a Slack integration, too. So it actually looks pretty good. Uh, then also uh, Flipboard 4.0, which I already talked about in this episode. And that is the end of Digital Coffee, and you know, it, you know, it's just the digitalness of it just went really quickly. But thank you for tuning in, anyways. As always, please subscribe to Digital Coffee on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. 
and uh, be sure to follow Digital Coffee on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Player.me, Anchor Radio, and Twitch and uh, YouTube Gaming on that as well. Uh, Gab and Minds I'm on as well, and I try to post as much as I can, sometimes I'm not that good, but I'm doing my best to get better at those as well. Also, be sure to, um, if you like these podcasts, be sure to support me through Patreon or Podbean, I really appreciate it. And um, uh, I have some great t-shirts and coffee mugs on my digital coffee podcast store, so pick one up today. It'll be great. Alright guys, join me on uh, Friday when I go through gaming news and Gamers Cafe. Alright guys, have a good Thursday and see you Friday. Later. <laughs>